Welcome to a new episode of These Go to Eleven. Let's turn it up. Hey everybody, welcome back to These Go to Eleven, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. This not only helps us to get our content out there, but also helps us to find out what you, our faithful listeners, think. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to these Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me as always, Greg Dutcher. Greg, what's going on, man? Not much, man. I'm uh, really looking forward to this was not an expected episode. No. But I think um, it'll be a special one. Yeah, this is, uh, every once in a while we do these bonus episodes. Yeah. And uh feels kind of weird calling this a bonus. Yeah, I know what you mean. You would almost call it just a special episode, yeah. right? Because a bonus is, bonus is off. Hey, we're, we, we got together. We had a great time talking about movies. Yeah. And, you know, here's something we wanted to throw out, a topic that's sort of ancillary to something else we discussed. This is a uh, uh, almost a tribute podcast. It is. Might be a better way to put it. Yeah, it, and just for, just for reference and context, we are recording this on May 23rd, and uh, we are going to be talking about uh, Tim Keller. And he recently passed away May yes. 19th. Yep. So just so people understand kind of how fresh we are with everything and... Uh, you know, it's, it's been interesting. I don't, I don't want to belabor this too long, but I do think we need to just briefly make mention of this. Uh, there are a lot of trolls and douchebags on the internet. Yeah, there are dude. And, uh, I'm not even going to suggest we, uh, we pretty up that language. No, there's some not so nice people out there. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think, I think in our tribute today, we're, we're going to show, clearly um keller's love for the gospel yeah his love for the lost to see people come to christ uh his willingness to be right in the middle of the city yeah where where uh so many pastors um and this is going to sound weird so don't you convince of this greg so many no, pastors please put it out dude into uh the suburbs yep yep uh, get into the country, and and his calling was to be right in the middle of downtown, not downtown, uptown Manhattan. Yeah. Um, and and just talk with people who had questions about God and faith. Yeah. About who is this Jesus person, and really, uh, if not reintroduce them to the gospel, introduce them to it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know. One of the things that I just loved and appreciated so much was he actually did the work. Yes. So yes. many people, we, we we talked about this recently, Greg, so many people will sit back and pontificate yeah. evangelism and the good that they're doing for the sake of the gospel, and Keller was in the midst of it. Um, again, uptown New York City, Manhattan, I got a chance to see... Uh, where his church was yeah. on the several trips that I've been up there. Did not attend his church, yeah, um, but got to see where it was, and then actually got to see where he lived yeah. on Roosevelt Island. Oh, which very was, cool. Uh, the island is cool in and of itself, but the the apartment area where he was was actually really cool too. Um, and so, 
you know, man, how, how do we deal with a loss like this in Christendom? Because this is huge. It, it is big, dude. It was big for me. Uh, I've been surprised by the emotions I've had. I, I've had this on a few occasions. It's different to me than when a celebrity dies mm-hmm. and you, you miss their, their great work, their acting, their singing. I'm not saying there's no legitimate grief, but that, that bizarre experience of grieving somebody that you never knew. Yeah. But in somebody like a Tim Keller... I feel like I bet a lot of people do, and you do too. That you you did kind of know him, yeah, through that just wonderful, mysterious exchange of sermons to ears, books to eyes or ears, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, or seeing him preach. If you saw him by video, there's a billion YouTube uh, things that you can you can check out on Tim Keller, and because he really was. Uh, a pastor with a scholar's mind yeah. or a scholar with a pastor's yeah. heart. That rare combination, dude, of um, because he died prior to the real internet boom and his age, John Stott, oh, yeah. who yeah. died in 2011, I believe it was 2011, it was somewhere near there, um, had a profound impact on me, but not quite like this because... I read a lot of Stott, right? And I heard some Stott. I uh, had a, the privilege of uh, what would have been a privilege of seeing him speak in Falls Church, Virginia, mm. in the late '90s, early 2000s. And uh, I think I got—I think I got a stomach flu or something. I okay. missed it, so yeah. I, I, I never—I never heard him preach in person. And somebody reminded me, and uh, I'm pretty sure if I understand heaven rightly, I won't hear him preach up there. That's right. <laughs> Uh, and that's okay. All the preaching is done, right? All the, all the evangeliz- the evangelizing is done. But there is that unique experience when you're so personally helped by somebody. Yeah, they're a friend to you. Yeah. And if I had met him in this life, I I could have if I had had five minutes with him. Yeah. I would have said, Tim. Probably everybody tells you this, but I feel like I knew you. Yeah because you put yourself out there so much through your writing, through your teaching and preaching. And uh, so I think it's appropriate to feel a sadness. Yeah, yeah. uh, And a genuine missing of him. Now, I can't imagine how that compares to his family, his inner circle of friends. Yes. That had all, they would say all those things we have just been saying. Right. And so much more. Well, I mean, could you, you know, just thinking about that piece of it, right, you know, where where we have everything that was out on display, you know, they've got the, you know, oh yeah, the time that dad or Tim oh, of or course. whatever, you know, All the fell stories. asleep during the missions yeah. conference or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Yes. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, just like you said, those familial stories. Yeah. Yeah. That All those anecdotes have. that are yeah. often told at a funeral yeah. or a wake or something. And it, yeah, I, um, so I, it's one of the things where I kind of want to know like my place, but not deny yeah. The profound effect. I, yeah. I was uh, very emotional. Uh, it surprised me. I saw. You know how I actually heard, dude. This this is kind of an interesting thing. We've talked about the show The Middle on this yes. podcast yes. with Patricia Heaton. Yep. Uh, maybe some of our listeners know. I, I would love to know. I always knew Patricia Heaton was a woman of faith. Yep. I believe she was a Catholic for yep. many years. May still be. I don't know. 
in recent years, I've seen her post a lot of things. I follow her on Twitter. Okay. From the Gospel Coalition Bible reading plans, she paid a beautiful tribute to Keller. Oh wow! And I actually knew he was very close because she she not like uh, his church, Redeemer Presbyterian in New York, not the Gospel Coalition, not the Tim Keller related sites. I knew because Patricia Heaton had said, please pray for Tim Keller and his family. Oh, wow. And then the next morning I saw that, uh, I believe Michael is, it was Tim's son, is Tim's son posted, posted that, on yeah. behalf that his father was very sick. And yeah. then it was either later that day or the next day. Um, so, you know, a far reach that he had, you've yeah. got a pretty well-known actress who I believe, as far as I can tell, is having, a very clear faith renewal experience yeah. of some sort. She's very open about it. Um, and yeah, it, uh, the emotions I've had, Nathan, in many ways, uh, I didn't plan to do this, but I think it would be better than me paraphrasing. Uh, you know, I think you saw, I posted something on Facebook and I'm not, a, as you know, Nathan, a huge poster. Sure. Sure. But I just wrote, I don't know if there's any writer who has helped me hang on to my faith more than Tim Keller. He was kind, humble, brilliant, and he always cared about skeptics and never vilified them. Yeah. In recent years, I've had to separate a lot of junk from authentic faith. Boy, sounds like our first podcast. Right. Jesus and the junk. Um, and it's almost killed me at times. I'm hard-pressed to imagine doing it without his books and messages. What an incalculable loss for us. What wonderful game for him. If you've never read any of his works, which I know we'll talk about today, yeah, I could not recommend him more highly, and I mean that. It, yeah. it wasn't just oh, I should say something about Tim Keller. I um, really, dude, as we've talked, twenty twenty for me, yeah, ooh, that was a hard season. Yeah, uh, in some ways, I felt like have I just been a pastoral failure? So many people were upset, angry, people that I thought were close to me. I I think I realized. I was more of a commodity, uh, and when I wasn't dispensing maybe something they wanted to hear, you know, uh, and I'm not unique in that. Pastors and individual Christians everywhere experience that. We've yeah. talked about that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of pain, a lot of loss. Uh, and Keller was a, a sane, calming voice to me Yeah. and the guys I would read. I always knew he would be clear. Yeah. He'd be compassionate. He'd be biblical, yeah, and and very culturally savvy, yeah, and just that combination really helped me, yeah, in some difficult times. Well, and you know, you talk about that that clarity. We um, teach the reason for God, yeah, um, in in school in our apologetics class, and I, I think I'm the first apologetics teacher, dude, that used that book. Oh, okay, I think okay, uh, but keep going, but. That, that would have been a little while ago. Yes, that was. Because <laughs> that was uh, 03, 04. I should check when that book came out. Yep. First edition. But keep going. Um, and the thing that I love is he, it, it, it's, it's his experiences talking with people. Yes. And, and that makes all the difference, that these are people, these were their questions that they had. And he sits down with them at a diner, at a coffee shop. Yeah wherever it might be and just and and talks to them about yes. these things and and like you said never vilifies them no right acknowledges that they have questions yep 
And one of his roles as, as a pastor, as a friend, as a believer is to just sit and walk through these questions with them. Yeah. And he talks about, you know, people who have life conversions and change, and he talks about people who he still knows and he's still friends with who haven't. Yes. And I think that's so magnificent that, right, ultimately as a believer, his heart was that this person would become a believer. Yeah. But the end goal was just this is a person who needs another person to sit with them yeah and and not expect anything of them and I think as Christians sometimes we forget, we forget that even even hoping and this is going to sound weird but hoping that the person will become a believer is an expectation that we right. sometimes place on them right 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 like if you yeah. don't do this thing then we're done yeah wow um, that's and, dude that's a podcast right there yeah that that wasn't him it's like no no you don't you know this is for you. Right, yeah. salvation is for you, and if you're not going to accept it, I'm, I'm not going to abandon you because of that. Yeah. You know, that's that's not the reason to cut ties and and no. Drop. And he, he, dude, you're that is a profound point. I do think it, it, that was my early Christian mistake. I was, I'd get almost angry at the person for not believing. Yeah, which is a whole subject in itself, but. Yeah, we could. Why? Why don't you believe? And if you really tease that implication out, are you saying like I? I was worthy enough to figure it out. Right. I was smart enough to figure it out. We could be unknowingly attributing something of ourselves to something that the Bible is very clear is one hundred percent God. Right. Free gift from Him, all His doing. Yeah. So now I'm going to take credit for it, and you should have been as noble and smart right. as I was. It's you play these silly games. But Keller's whole posture and demeanor, and it, it, what what what's amazing to me, it's really clear when you hear him speak. Yeah, and I heard a lot of people paying tributes. You know, um, if you listen to a Piper or an Alistair Begg, they're, I would say on a on a sheer oratory level, since I teach public speaking, they're better. Sure, uh, they're more theatrical. Well, particularly more... Begg. I mean, that Scottish accent. Oh, the Scottish like... accent alone, dude. <laughs> he could be reading the the. <laughs> the beer bread recipe that Lisa made last night, which was delicious. Nice. And uh, I would be, uh, I'd be right enthralled, there on right? It, right? I'd be like, yeah, read, read, read the Lucky Charms ingredients. Right. Oh, yellow dye number five? Boy, I've never heard it put so eloquently. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got that, and you've got their um, very skilled. Uh, they're, mm-hmm. they're very good communicators. They're, they're very gifted uh, in terms of their oratory. Keller was a very fine speaker, Far from flashy. Yeah, yeah. Um, not saying yet the emotion was there, but the humility and yeah. sort of that take the gospel seriously, don't take himself too seriously, comes through clear. I think that's very hard to do in writing, and he did it. Yeah. Talking about very weighty subjects, like when you say the reason for God, dude, I still think is one of the best books. Now, in recent years... Keller is saying the book's a little dated because culture has changed right. so much. Sure. So his humility is even seen in his own reflective commentary on his own work. Yes. But I still say, yeah. weird to disagree with Tim Keller about his book. Um, I'm not really disagreeing. I would just say it has, I think you would agree, Nathan, as yeah. a fellow apologetics teacher, yeah. tremendous value. Yeah. Well, particularly in light of some some of the other apologetics books that are out there. Yes. 
Um, I mean, oh. I mean, let's let's put it. Th- John Frame has a book on apologetics, but yeah. if I try to bring that into my high school class and yeah. work through that yeah, with I them, agree. like I read that book and I'm like, yeah. I think that book is more for the teacher that wants to do some research for him or herself. Yeah. And even then, you're you're getting some nuggets out of a very tough I mean, yeah. frame we've had on the podcast. He's yeah. brilliant. He actually paid tribute to uh, to Keller, I saw, and, and had some nice things to say. I'm not even sure they met, uh, but of course knew of each other. Yeah. Both in the same theological tradition. They're, you know, very, you know, esteemed writers and yeah. thinkers. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Keller's is accessible. Yeah, like coffee shop conversation. Yeah. I feel like Keller's scholarship is what Lewis did for the Puritan writers. Yeah, like Lewis's works on the Puritans. When you read some of that stuff, like you you look at it and you go, "Oh, that's what they were trying to say." Like yeah. I I get that. Okay. Yeah, there, there's that's a good point. Like a popularizer. Yeah. Almost. A lot of people say that's what Piper did with the, with Jonathan Edwards, right? You take a guy who's almost unreadable. This guy's not a well-known author. He he wrote, to me, a wonderful little book called The Enemy Within, Chris mm-hmm. Lungard. I think he only wrote two books, and I think the guy's like a missionary in the Czech Republic. He just said, yeah, that's all I'm going to write. Mm-hmm. The, the second one was okay. I think it was called Through the Looking Glass. But the first one was called The Enemy Within, and it was basically John Owen for dummies. Mm-hmm. He took Sin and Temptation, yeah, uh, which is... I'm going to be blunt. It's an unreadable book. Yeah. Sorry, folks, that if you love the, the Puritans out there, I'm sure there's gold in it. Uh, I read them in seminary. You know, I, I, I read them beyond seminary, and I can dig some gold. The older I get and the more quickly I fall asleep every time I read, right. man, I need somebody to put the cookies on the bottom shelf yeah. where everybody can reach them. And Lungard did that, and I think Keller masterfully does that. Yeah. It's one of those things you're like, Boy, this guy could bury me in any debate. Yeah. <laughs> but he's being so kind. Right. He's just putting this in a way that I can understand. Yeah. Like, if I had to debate the guy, dude, I would just say, yeah, I'm, I'll just win. go. Yeah, oh, you win. I, can I go home? <laughs> can I go watch Breaking Bad again? I don't want to debate that dude. Um, he's too sharp. But I would say, dude, for the the person who, okay, let's talk about his his city. Yeah. He gets to New York, I think, in 89. I think you're right, yeah. Um, so he's there, you know, leaving the 80s into the 90s, heading into, you know, the the information age, the, the birth of the Internet, all the things that mm-hmm. he would face in his 16 or more years there in the city. Um, Got to be one of the hardest places, yeah. Manhattan, to minister in the world. Yeah. Cosmopolitan city, thoroughly irreligious. Yeah. Act 17 Athens on steroids. Yeah. And he ministered there, dude. Yeah. And won a hearing. Mm-hmm. 5,000, I think, are people a week, and it might still be in its heyday, uh, through his main campus and some of the other campuses that they they birthed, some other churches. Yeah. That, I mean, was... I was not there. If Matt were on this podcast, so I'll represent him. Matt went up there, Matt Smith, uh, to hear him at least once or twice. Um, and said, you you look, it's a very eclectic congregation. Yeah. Artists and executives and bohemian kind of figuring out their right. place in life. Um, and <laughs> somehow this old, bald, <laughs> kind of quiet, unassuming dude, just dude, they, they couldn't get enough. Yeah. yeah. Very unique. Yeah, and... 
that's very telling, right? Because it shows, I mean, this, this is what Christ tells us, right? The, the harvest is ready. The harvest is plentiful, yeah. but the workers are few. I mean, and this is, this is what, I mean, again, this is what was so great about Keller, right? Is we say it over and over again, his humility, yeah, right? Like this is where the lost is. Yeah. You know, this is where we need to go. And, and so many people trying to pull away from that. Yes. And, you know, I, I think he would, you know, say we need to get more and more people in there. But again, like, I, I I'm just, I'm just going to say this. You put John MacArthur in that scenario right. and he's going to drive too many people away. I would agree. That I, I 100% Keller, agree. Keller is just, he, he was just that right combination of. Yep patient and kind yeah and i i mean he he here is dude, a previous podcast yeah he really viewed himself as a missionary in that city yeah and how could you not yeah dude i will recognize i benefit i pastor a pretty uh, even though the culture is still changing here we're yeah. in harford county maryland which is largely a suburban bedroom community you're in baltimore county yep. dude um, which is a little different demographically, little, yeah. but not radically. Yeah, so. no, you know, it's especially not, yeah, our it's kind not, of corridor. Yeah, I mean, twenty, you know, twenty more minutes south, and you've yeah. got Baltimore City, which is yes. completely completely different, different of course. Yeah. So, uh, but I still minister in an area where a lot of people just kind of yeah, it's Sunday, go to church. Yeah, right. Not as many as twenty years ago, sure, or thirty or forty, and I think that is diminishing, but still enough. There is very little in Manhattan when Keller got there that you can leverage culturally to get people in the door. Yeah. And Keller knew that. Yeah. So he didn't just set up shop. I think he was a great expository teacher of the, uh, of the word. Yeah. But when you mentioned MacArthur there, that's kind of his brand, yeah. for lack of a better word. I don't mean to say it's a brand. I, I know it's a passion, a conviction, et cetera. But, you, you know, the way it comes across. Um Keller was definitely, uh, uh, we talked about this recently in, a, in another context, dude. Let's talk about this for a moment. Mm. The power of God's word. I sometimes fear, while I believe in the power of scripture, 100%, yeah. and it does what I can't do, I sometimes think we can have a very primitive, almost magical view of that, like it's a wand. Right. But intuitively, we don't do that. Right. Intuitively, we know um, if I'm going to visit someone who just lost their husband of 40 years, yeah, I'm not going to sit down with them and say, well, you know, let me share some thoughts to you on hell and eternal judgment. Right. Um, well, why not? It's God's word. It doesn't return. Most of us know intuitively, right. what could I speak from this word to this woman at this time? Right. So you're exegeting not just scripture, but the culture, yes. timing, and the person. Yeah. And making that connection. I think he knew in New York City, Yeah, I need to do this. Yeah. Wow, and boy, did he. Well, and his ability to, to separate... I, I mean, do we even know what the guy's political convictions were? Well, you know? it's interesting I mean, you say. Uh, I'll get this in really quick, Nathan, because yeah. I don't want to break your stride. When you mentioned earlier some trolls yeah. uh, on online... Um, yeah, one of the criticisms, I hate even calling attention, but we should. Uh, and, and I almost feel happy to push against that minority of discernment bloggers yeah. 
who, uh, you know, uh, in between getting Cheeto refills from their mom when she comes in the basement. Oh, did I just say that out loud? <laughs> I thought I just thought it. Yes, I did. Um, Where are my are, cheesy poos? Of course I want some cheesy poos. So they are waxing eloquent about how Piper, or Piper, um, no, they're probably doing the same thing about Piper because... Well, they were friends, yeah. and they worked together, Gospel Coalition right. and other places. But yeah, the thought on Keller was that, uh, oh, he's woke. Yeah. I, I want to come back to that. Um, Keller, to me, was refreshingly apolitical. Yeah. Therefore, in this politically politically charged culture, oh, he's political. Yeah. He was so aware of the divisive nature of politics yeah. in a place like city of new york yeah i just think he thought extra hard worked extra hard at not so no I, on a personal level nathan i don't a lot of people think they know yeah i don't know yeah uh i could make a guess or two which is just as worthless as anybody else's right. conjecture but the fact that you don't i love that you asked that yeah i don't really know and that serves to preach the gospel right? of course I mean, that just that serves to be able to Minister and witness to so many people. Yeah, um, we we've got this uh, this beautiful post by uh, Paul David Tripp, who oh, we had on the podcast that. years ago. Yes, um, and then I mean this this was just so great um, when I read this. Uh, Paul David Tripp says on Sunday, May twenty first, two thousand twenty three, my wife uh, Luella and I had the unique privilege of worshiping with the grieving congregation of Redeemer Presbyterian Church on the east side of New York City. You could feel the congregation's love for their pastor, Timothy Keller, who passed away two days earlier on May 19th. We watched a video of Tim's last words to the people he loved so much. His words of counsel going forward were classic Keller, but I was particularly taken by his very last charge. He told his congregation not to seek reputation, quoting Jeremiah's exhortation to his secretary, uh, Baruch. Baruch. Yeah. Um, And do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. Jeremiah 45, 5. These were the final words of wisdom from a humble pastor to the people he had served for so many years. It was not just good biblical counsel, but a picture of Tim's personal life even amid his own worldwide recognition. Mm. I sat in the service thinking that there are few things more beautiful than a long-term pastoral ministry that is driven and shaped by a love for Christ and a love for his church. Being a pastor is hard, with its peaks and valleys, hopes and heartaches, supporters and detractors, and seasons of sorrow and seasons of joy. But it is also beautiful to experience the growing and deepening bounds, bonds of love See, uh, see lasting gospel fruit, watch seekers become disciples, celebrate lost ones falling in love with Jesus, and organize ministries of mercy to meet people in need. I'm going to stop there just for a second because, I mean, this is what we are supposed oh, to dude, do. I mean, just gives me the chills. I think about that from the perspective of being a teacher, right? If all I do when my students come in is berate them and belittle them for what they don't know, that's not being a teacher. I have to. I have to show them. I have to teach them. I have to guide them. Right, and that's that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a teacher of the Word of God, leading yep. people to the gospel. Um, and so, yep. just awesome, dude. Um, it's gold. 
he continues on yep. and he says, the beauty of such long-term pastoral ministry is made even more beautiful when it is scandal-free without the building of a person, uh, person, personality cult where what drives ministry is the gospel of Jesus Christ and not the establishment of a brand. For all that Tim was known for, this is the thing I esteem the most, and not just Tim, but also his wife, Kathy, who ministered to him and with him for all those years. I cried when I heard the news of Tim's home going, not because we were close friends. Yes, we are the same age, shaped by very similar influences, and our ministries connected at several points throughout the years. No, I was emotional because a bright, shining gospel light had gone out, as all human lights eventually do. From a distance, Tim pastored me, giving me hope and reminding me of why I do what I do, which is interesting because um, Paul David Tripp is yeah. the pastor to pastors. Yes, that's right. And now he's saying, this was my pastor. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow, dude. Tim was a brilliant communicator of the gospel, something I aspire to every day. His preaching was effective because it was shaped by the two great commands. Because of his love for God, he was a lifelong student of Scripture, exegeting it with clarity for his people. And because of his love for people, he was a lifelong student of his congregation and the culture they lived and worked in. In his sermons, Tim exegeted people's lives for them with the gospel of Jesus Christ as his primary tool. Both in age and who influenced our thinking about the gospel and ministry, Tim Keller and I are peers, but I would never be so bold as to call him my peer. No, for me, Tim is one of those gospel heroes that God puts in your life to remind you what the main thing is and to be a beacon of hope when the, when the going gets hard. Mm. I will miss Tim, but the rock on which we all stand didn't die with Tim, and for that I am eternally grateful. Wow, dude, yeah. <laughs> it's a real live podcasting here. I'm over here like an emotional wreck. I'm almost trying to think of other things, those final sentences, so I don't get so lost in it. His, what we were saying, dude, his pastoring from a distance. Yeah. That's what happens today. I mean, yeah, if you want to get technical, he was a quote-unquote celebrity, celebrity pastor because people, so many people knew him. Right, But right. it wasn't. yeah just a faithful guy and you just get the impression he would have done all the same things for five people or yes. five thousand people yes just that's what what he felt was he he knew how god shaped him yeah and knew what he was called to do yeah and it was so inspiring well and, and we talked about this right you think of him going to new york city uh 1989 yeah that was not a very big congregation, his first meeting. I, no, I think he no. talks about it. I yeah. don't remember exactly how many, but he was prepared to be there oh, yeah. and to just do what God called him to do. I've heard him speak at conferences. He had no clue what was coming. Yeah. Because he had ministered in Virginia in a little rural town in, uh, I believe, the seven, end of the 70s, into the 80s, before yeah. he went to New York. Uh, little, oh, what was the town? Uh, some of our listeners know I could Google it, but I won't. But it was, he was there for several years. Um, those experiences helped him, though. Let me get this in now, dude, because yeah. I know how, where are we on time? Uh, 31 minutes. Good. Um, Keller, you asked about the politics thing, dude. Um, I'm going to highly recommend a resource for people, and I don't even have the title, uh, but if you Google Tim Keller 
race. Mm. You'll find it. So as we're talking, dude, and I kind of yeah, go ahead, walk and, chew, go ahead and do that. We'll... Chew gum at, at the same time. Yeah. Uh, you'll find a YouTube video that's about 20 minutes. I just let my daughter watch this the other night. I think it's one of the best, most balanced things uh, I've ever seen on race. Yeah, racism and corporate evil, a white guy's perspective. Hmm. I think it was part of a Desiring God conference. Okay, yeah. 20 minutes, dude, uh, or maybe, no, maybe 25 minutes, it looks like here on, on, on the timestamp. It is one of the best walkthroughs I've ever heard a steeped-in-scripture theological guy like Tim Keller do to argue that yes there is such a thing as institutional racism mm -hmm. and the christian can and should believe it mm -hmm. it's scriptural there's not an ounce of politics in it he looks at the solidarity of the human race i don't want to give away the whole talk it's a very measured calm talk and he basically says i want to talk about this I want to talk about this, and then this was always like his third point, and I want to talk about how the gospel brings us all together, Yeah, brings this whole thing together. That that was a typical Keller third point. Yeah. Let me do this, this, and then talk about how the gospel brings us all together. Yeah, um, All these themes. And it is really good. So the fact that he can look at a subject that's controversial and say, let me look at this in, in a biblically measured way. I have very little issue with the teaching on that. I don't know if I have any issue. It was one of the first times I heard it addressed in a very clear biblical way. There are some folks that thought, oh, he's race baiting, he's doing this. And I, I don't, oh, I, I certainly don't think that he was. Right. And even if, a, if another person hears it and says, oh, I disagreed with him, okay, well, tell me where. Let's look at the scriptures he shared. Right. And that's fine, we can do that. This has invited some of the... Again, it's a small stream, yeah. and I've been rolling up my sleeves a little, dude. You know, my therapeutic yeah. thing I do on Twitter sometimes. I don't ever post. I just respond to, to people, and maybe it's not good that I do. One, dude, the audacity of anybody to crap on somebody's reputation 12 hours, which is what I saw on Twitter after yeah. they die. Yeah. Oh, as uh, evangelicals, uh, you know, the uh, the numbskulls are praising a man who, you know, muddied the waters of the gospel with this and that. I'm like, okay, let's say that he did, which I don't think he did. Right. Um, really? Yeah. There's a wife, children, grandchildren? Yeah. That just lost somebody they love? Yeah. I'm shocked. Yeah. Dude, or maybe I'm not shocked. That's well, just yeah. the... The cesspool of the internet sometimes. Yeah. Um, some of the criticisms are in this area of his teaching on race. Yeah. I would just urge anybody listening, check it out for yourself. Right. With a Bible open, he'll he'll go through every passage and just think through the implications. Yeah. I thought it was very gospel centered, very profound, very uh, intriguing. Yeah. And the reason I'm drawn to it is he's not he's not talking about this from a political perspective. Right. He's not sort of choosing a side. I think the gospel was always his side. Yeah. And then even if you disagreed, you would know where you disagreed. Right. And yeah, I mean again, we you know, we we've said this before, but so many people love to 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 spout their ideas and opinions without actually having done any of the work. Yeah. Right. Roll up your sleeves and and get into the middle of 
a city like New York yes. or Chicago or Baltimore yeah. and and look at the people and preach the gospel, and then you can go ahead and tell me what should and shouldn't be done. Like, yes. it, it just, it amazes me how many times the waters get so muddied on things. You know, I speaking earlier, we, we were talking about this off air. Remember a podcast that Zach Bartles and I did years ago when yeah. uh, Stephen Hawking passed away, who yeah. was brilliant. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, brilliant physicist, mathematician. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, like, not long, hours after his passing. Well, I, I, I guess he knows that, uh, you know, Jesus is the Lord and Savior now. Yeah, and I, I saw some of that stuff. Like, r- really? It's terrible. Um, it's terrible. Last time I checked, God is the one who said that he would judge all yeah. people. I mean, because at the end of the day, let's say, I mean... I mean, he was, you know, let, let, let's say at the end of the day, he actually did accept Christ. Yeah. I mean, he certainly encountered enough people in his lifetime. Yeah. We never know. Yeah. Like, I wasn't there. Yeah. So, so from the perspective of, okay, so, so you actually can't confirm right. beyond all shadow of a doubt whether or not this person was or wasn't. Right. But let's say that they were. Mm-hmm. Is it really your position to, to sit there and point it out like a two-year-old? Like, well, yes, dude, and and the 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 ease with which people do yeah. it, yeah, it makes me think. You know, this was a human being, right? With relationships, right? People that loved him, people that are grieving, right. people that are hurting, and if if you understand the true nature of the gospel. Then, then you should understand what is going on right now, yes. and that should cause you to weep, not gloat. Well, uh, do, uh, well said, dude. It, let's just say you, you're right. The person went into eternity lost. Hey, I know. Let's just, yeah. It's man, I better be careful, dude. Guard my heart. But it's a perfect time to read this. I almost yeah. did it when you mentioned it at the beginning. Um, probably a lot of people have heard this. Uh, I think it was Brene Brown, you know, the popular speaker, motivational speaker, that sort of brought this quote out of obscurity, mm-hmm. and now I see it everywhere, but it's Teddy Roosevelt. Mm. Okay. Think how applicable this is, dude. He says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high, of, uh, high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Hmm. I love that quote, yeah. dude, because you got Roosevelt basically saying, I feel like he's pointing to the, the, the discernment blogger in the basement. Yeah. 
I'm going to be blunt, Nathan, who's done nothing yeah. except look out at the sea of other people and say, oh, I don't think this guy does it right. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me, dude, of the famous D.L. Moody evangelism. Oh, where yeah, he gets yeah. the criticism for his methods. Yeah. You know what? I think it makes some good points. You know, at the end of the day, I think I'm still going to try my bad method of doing evangelism rather than your no, perfect method yeah. of doing no evangelism, yeah. Yeah. of not doing it. Yeah. Um, that's how I feel. The guys on camp. You know what? Did he? I'm sure he did, dude. Right. He was a man. Right. But he's in the arena. Yeah. With his sleeves rolled up, reaching people that many people. Say, I'll right. Go, I'll go out to the country where I got a few more things in my favor. Right. People still go to church. People have some view of God as a personal being. I'm going to go to New York City where there's no need of God in the minds of the overwhelming majority of people yeah. at all. Yeah. It's a it's a primitive thought. That's where I'm going to go and plant the flag of the gospel in the arena. Yeah. And then you get these guys outside the arena. I'm like, yeah, dude, just keep keep eating your Cheetos. Yeah. Uh, because it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Here is a man who clearly loved the Lord. Yeah. Was crystal clear on the centrality of the gospel. Yes. And remember, we watched the thing a couple of days ago. Yeah. Dude, and his. It was uh, 2020 when 2020, he was diagnosed. Right when he was yeah. diagnosed. Yeah. And remember just how certain he was yeah. of the resurrection. Yeah. Honest. Oh, of course I'd love more time here with my family and friends, but if Jesus rose from the dead, everything's going to be all right. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. good. I, um, and before we sign off, dude, I, I want to hit a couple of books. I'll be quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, actually, I want you to go ahead and do that now because okay. I'm going to end with uh, with some Keller quotes. Oh, that's so, perfect, dude. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a couple of books. I just say, if, if somebody's listening to this and man, I'm intrigued by this guy. I've heard a lot about him on social media. Greg and Nathan have been talking about him for about 45 minutes. Um, the Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Mm. Short little book. Uh, I won't even give it a... Just a brilliant little book on... How again? It's how the gospel, rightly understood, frees us from yes. ourselves—either yeah. self-condemnation or self-adulation—and he calls it self-forgetfulness and a deepening joy. It's kind of Piper's hedonism in a very different yeah. package. Very thoughtful, very good. Obviously, Nathan, the reason for God. Yes. If you're looking at a um, at a deep. Um, dive into secular thought yep. and how the gospel would intersect yeah. in a post-Christian culture. If you're if you're someone who's questioning Christianity, I yes. mean, you yes. know, pick, pick this book up and read it. I mean, because again, the he these are conversations that he's had with people just like you yep. who have had these same questions and and these same things, you know, just kind of mulling over in their minds. Yes. I, I don't know about this. Here's some objections that I've had. Um, yes, pick up the reason for God. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And then um, I think my personal favorite is the prodigal God, where he takes the story of Luke 15 yep. and, and the prodigal son. He, I, I don't want to give it away. He shifts perspective. He, he was, literally, he was a great guy. By the way, dude, I'm only learning this recently. You'll love this. His number one guy he always quoted was Tolkien. Oh, Nice. Always Tolkien. I didn't know that. Yeah. And, he just um, let bumped me, up to my favorite. Yeah, I was going to say, let me give you uh, Lig Duncan's quote. I think I can find it quick. Um, 
on uh, that he posted recently. It was so. I think you're you're really going to enjoy it if I could ever find it. Um, <laughs> hey, this is just how we do things live, man. Yes. Oh, I'm. Uh, I'll find it in a bit. Well, let me let me. Oh, you're I doing did, that, dude. Okay. I did. I, I I get this out really quick. Um, Tim in the PCA, which was his denomination, President yep. Church of, uh, Church of America, which is what Duncan is from, was a little bit like Gandalf in the Shire. We think he's just a guy that does fireworks at birthday parties when he's actually out there in the world slaying dragons and taking on evil wizards. Yeah. Isn't that good? That's good. And he did that because uh, I've watched all these interviews. He would naturally shift to Tolkien. Yeah. Always go in, into Tolkien. But he had a literary skill in his yes. writing that is often under, uh, underappreciated. What he does in The Prodigal God by focusing on one of the other characters yeah. and seeing the story, it's now I'm going to go on and on. It's so good. And if you want just a short little burst, the songs of Jesus mm-hmm. is his little devotional on on not all but several songs. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic. No, that's, that's no, that's yeah. that's great. and thirty other books. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> literally, can, just go on, go on Amazon. Go on Amazon. And, yeah, you, you know, you're Google, not going to go wrong. Tim Keller, get yeah. it on Audible, get it uh, hard copy. Yeah. You know, like whatever, whatever your pleasure is, get it. And, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I figure, Greg, we'll just we'll end with just some quotes. Yeah, give um, some great know, quotes. Here, and, and can I just like, here's the deal: people who are claiming Tim wasn't a believer, <laughs> yeah. right? Wow. And, and you just you, you hit this on it, right? Part of the PCA Church. Yeah. It, if you say that, then you actually don't understand the nature and structure of the PCA Church no, because not. they would not let somebody who was not a gospel-centered uh, preaching person no. stay in their ranks. Ask like, you, <laughs> your friend and my recent friend, Justin, yeah. who was with us in a much earlier podcast yeah. this year, who's in that denomination. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder like, what he would think about yeah, that. We're not, we're not talking about some like side-independent church here. We're talking about a whole... like. Uh, governance that was regional and national oh, who yeah. oversees all of these things. Yeah. Like, a- anyway, uh, just had to get that out there. Yeah, but, I think it's um, good. Start with this one, man. Uh, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. It is not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Love that. Tolerance isn't about not having beliefs. It's about how your beliefs lead you to treat people who disagree with Mm. you. Wow. Uh, Speaking of uh, raising from the dead, uh, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead then why worry about any of what he said? The issue, the issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Yeah. And I'll finish with this. In any relationship, there will be frightening spells in which your feelings of love dry up. And when that happens, you must remember that the essence of marriage is, is that it is a covenant, a commitment, a promise of future love. So what do you do? You do the acts of love despite your lack of feeling. You may not feel tender, sympathetic, and eager to please, but in your actions, you must be tender. 
understanding, forgiving, and helpful. And if you do that, as time goes on, you will not only get through the dry spells, but they will become less frequent and deep, and you will become more constant in your feelings. This is what can happen if you decide to love. Um, Because again, one book um, that I think is uh, really top in terms of marriage uh, is the one that he wrote the meaning the meaning of marriage, of marriage. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that would do that's a great way because that's yeah it's another great one that I didn't think of but married couples or those contemplating marriage yeah marriages that are struggling yeah and he wrote that big chunks of it with Kathy his wife yes yeah yeah and I think I think if I remember correctly he actually waited a long time to write that like I think weren't people yes. pressuring him to write one so. earlier and yep. his kind of posture was I haven't been married long enough to write it. Yeah. Piper did the same thing with uh, his book on marriage. I think he said his wife told him he had to wait till they were married 40 years. Lisa, I think, told me I have to wait till... um, You're dead? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, then she said I could write. And I'm thinking she might be suggesting something else. Anyway, dude. Yeah, nobody has to worry about me writing a book on marriage uh, ever. I'm just going to read other people's. This this it's the idiot's guide, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I can do the what not to do. I can, man, I, that would be an endless publication. Um, but I'll uh, let the uh, more savvy guys write the good stuff. Yeah, but uh, man, uh, it has been good. Uh, so so great talking about this again. The 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 grief process, right? I mean, being able to talk about these things and share your thoughts and your feelings on what's been going on. I mean, that's all part of that process. And, and we do, we grieve much differently than the family, but we still grieve because this is, um, this is a loss, uh, you know, to, to think, you know, this person that we, we've spent so much time reading his works, listening to his sermons, watching him, uh, it's, it's done. Um, and and again, we we rejoice for him, yeah, uh, because we know that he is in a far better yes. place. I think it was um, Russell Moore that dude said uh, uh, he doesn't need to offer the reason for God anymore. He can just now enjoy Him forever. Yeah, Beautiful. so good. All right, well, Greg. Until the next time. Yes, we just rock the Casbah. Yes, sir. Thank you again for listening to these Go to 11, an unchurchy conversation about everyday faith. Once again, please make sure you like, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you ever find yourself in the Forest Hill, Maryland area, please feel free to stop by at 135 Industry Lane, and you can get all of our service times and information at ChristFC.org. These Go to 11.